We're bringing you all you need to succeed in the real estate business. It's Spilling the LT, brought to you by Lawyer's Title, telling you what it's really like to work in real estate. Welcome back. I'm very excited about our next episode. We're going to talk about the ins and outs of property management. I know a lot of my realtor audience has had questions about different aspects of property management. So I brought in an expert today to talk to you guys about how to handle things with your clients better. But first, my name is Tamara Gady. I'm the director of Collin County Sales for Lawyers Title. If you love my content, you're really going to like my escrow team. So I hope you'll give us an opportunity to get a conversation started about your title needs. I'm excited to introduce my guest today. His name is Chris Oleg. He's with the Oleg Group. He happens to be my property manager, so I might put him in the hot seat a little bit today, but we'll keep him out of trouble as much as we can. Welcome to the show, Chris. I'm very excited to have you on today. Thank you for having me. Uh, It's the first time that we've done something like this together? Yeah, we did like a brief thing with Bob after the mastermind. Yes, was. yes, we did. I don't know if that, where that ever went. But. I have no idea I wasn't in charge of that one, but I'm in charge of this one, so it's going to go out. Sounds good. <laughs> well, let's go ahead and get started because I know that there's going to be um, a lot of conversation surrounding our topic today. I really wanted to bring you in here because as the market starts to shift, we're going to see more and more people like investors come back out, right? And people wanting to buy properties and, you know, there's different options for those, for investors, buy and hold, flip, things like that. I do buy and holds. So I brought you in and asked you to help me manage my properties after (laughs) I had (laughs) a couple of complicated situations and I couldn't handle it anymore. That's normally what happens. We get handed the stuff when it's already bad. Yeah. So uh, we're pretty good at cleaning things up. So, Well, I think I got to property number two, and I was like, yeah. I had this one tenant in the Irving duplex that I bought. I inherited both those tenants. You never met him. Mm-hmm. His name was Rod. <laughs> and Rod sat around the house because he was on disability, and so he had an, a lot of opinions about things and had a lot of reasons to call me over and over and over so did i get that okay. unit after rod moved out yes okay so the yeah. first time i listed that was actually yeah okay yeah that was the first non-renewal of lease i ever executed interesting okay. yeah and i got a call from his wife and i mean they're like this is our home can we stay and i told her i said linda you can stay but rod has to go huh. and then i knew that i had made the right decision because neighbors the next time i went over there we were renoing that side of the duplex and neighbors from the cul-de-sac came out to thank me because he had been such a nuisance for so long. Interesting. Well, I'm glad I did not have to uh, deal with him. You did not. You'd be yes. thankful. Thank you. So um, anyway, um, yeah. I want to like jump right into our first question. So let's talk about what questions do you get from agents most often as it pertains to property management? Um, so it really depends on the reason that they're contacting us. So okay. um, we get questions from agents that are looking to uh, hire us for their clients to manage the property. And then we get questions from agents that are contacting us on behalf of their client um, that's looking to rent a property from us. So does that make sense? It does. So there's kind of different aspects. And I have to differentiate, too, because uh, the property management company is different than the real estate company that I'm with. Correct. So, um, so Smile Property Management is the management company, and then Ola Group is the uh, the real estate buying, selling, and the leasing side of things. 
Okay, so that brings up a question that's not on my cheat sheet, which always happens. So one time I was trying to refer you to a realtor that is a practicing realtor Mm -hmm. that had a client that wanted a property management company, and she was very specific about the fact that I want a property management company that doesn't have practicing realtors because – they're, they don't. They want want to keep their clients, right? Correct. They want them to come and use you for property management services. But the fact that you're a practicing realtor is kind of a, you know, I get it. Conflict. You know, they're, yeah. yeah, they're worried about keeping their clients. So, how do you address that with realtors that come to you wanting to use your property management company? So, to answer your question on, you know, what's the most common question we get? That's it. Okay. Uh, the f- most common question is. Um, do we get to keep our client? Like if we refer them to you for property management, can we keep them as a client if they decide to sell the property or buy additional properties? Um, when it comes to the leasing piece of it, um, we like to handle the leasing of it because we can control the lease. We can control like all the addendums that go with it. Uh, we can control the timeline, move in, move out type stuff. Um, well, but you have to deal with the tenant too. We do. We have to approve the tenant. Um, or we'd like to approve the tenant because, I mean, there's times where we do take over a management, like in your case, right, where uh, when we inherited, we inherited some of the tenants. So we took over the property, tenants were already in place, and we just kind of deal with them and deal with the lease that you had, you know, completed with somebody else. Or, yeah, or it was real fun because you kept pointing out all the problems with the leases, and I'm like, I didn't know. <laughs> and, and I mean, sometimes it's not, it's not that there's a always problems with the or there's leases. things that could have been done better there's things that could be d- done better and we try to we kind of go over the top with things so um, it makes it easier for us if all of our leases are consistent across the board so that when someone calls in we're talking to a tenant about an issue we know we already know what the lease says because we it's wrote standard, it it's yeah, standard it's your for standard us. lease agreement yeah, yeah. yeah so but that is the number one question uh, from from other agents is do they get to keep their client and uh, we're not we're not trying to take people's clients. Um, in fact, the more they have a relationship with these people already, right? If they have helped them buy properties, especially if it's an investor, they've probably worked with them for years. And uh, in those cases, the better their relationship with that person, as long as they're sending us the property management business, we're fine with it. You know, yeah. uh, we're not trying to we're not trying to interfere there. Now, if the good thing is, is a lot of people get in and out of this business, right? So. People get into this business because maybe they met an investor and they're like, I'm going to get my real estate license so I can help this investor. And then all of a sudden they help this guy buy two or three properties or, you know, more and they turn them over to us for property management and then come their two year renewal. They didn't do their CE (laughs) and and they're out of the business. Uh Um, And in those cases, uh, we've had that before where the, the investor or the client has come to us and said, my agent is no longer practicing, can you help me with buying properties or selling these properties? Sometimes we'll go back to the original agent and say, hey, you know, your client's looking to offload, you know, three properties. Were you interested in getting your license to take care of that or do you want to just be done with it? Wait, that? you call non-licensed landlords and ask them if they want to get their license to move a couple of properties for one of their... Sometimes it's fair. It just depends on the relationship we have with that person. I That's mean, if it's someone that we just didn't care for at all, uh, we won't bother you know? No, but I don't think there's anything wrong with taking advantage of opportunity, right? You're you're making it very clear that you're not trying to steal other people's clients, right? But there's nothing wrong with, I don't have a realtor anymore. Can you help me sell these properties? Yeah, and we also don't want to sever a relationship just because someone doesn't have their license anymore. Um, if they have the ability to still refer people to us, obviously we want to maintain that relationship. 
Well, yeah, but, but there's you've got to understand that there's a difference between active, inactive, and, and expired, or you know, and so correct. A lot of people that get out of the business, especially if they didn't complete their CE, they're done. Correct. So that's not. I want to make sure that people understand that you're not taking opportunities from people. Correct. Yeah, we are not taking people's clients. Um, but if an agent leaves the business and uh, we have the opportunity at that point to take on their past client, uh, then we will. So um, let's talk about what is included in property management. So explain to everybody, I mean, obviously we all have a general idea of what property management does, right? But I've, I've even been surprised at some of the things y'all were willing to take care of as it pertained to my property. So why don't you explain to everybody exactly what is included in property management? And then maybe also talk about what some of the, um, char- you know, like what does that charge look like? How do you charge people or how does the, I know there's an, I know what the industry standard is, right? Yeah. And so, I wasn't sure if we could even discuss fees or not. Why not? It's my podcast. Okay. <laughs> I don't know. That's up to you. <laughs> um, so we are a flat fee you yeah. know, thing. So, um, and it's lower or comparable to most things that we see. I think we do include more than a lot of property management companies. A lot of property management companies are pretty hands off. Um, they collect their money, they collect the rent, pay the landlord, and uh, you know we'll call them slumlords, you know, because most people know them as that, where they just don't fix anything. You know, they they neglect the property because they just they just don't care. Uh, we and I mean, you get the calls for basic things like you know stress cracks. You know, do we need to get an engineer out there? Is necessary? Probably not. But um, we're still going to reach out to you if we think that there's something that can affect the property. Um, So we do go a little bit above and beyond. But what's typically included in property management is, um, so there's kind of two aspects. There's the leasing piece of it. Correct. I'm glad you said that. Yeah. So there's the leasing piece of it, which, you know, we still like to handle. um, But if the agent is involved that represents that client um, in the leasing piece, then we'll let them lease the property. As long as we can provide them the addendums and provide them the documents that we want included. Uh, most are pretty cool about that. So, um, but we do like to at least handle the execution of the lease so we can control the timelines, make sure everything's signed properly before we take over, even if we're not the ones marketing the property. So you might have the agent that's putting in the MLS, they're collecting their commission, um, and then they're just turning it over to us to execute everything and you know put our touch on it and then take over from there. And I think that's so important to talk about because... I've had I've had the agent that I bought the property from do the lease. I've had a different property management do the lease. I've had just anyone any licensed realtor do the lease, you know, right. that market the property and get it leased. And I will tell you that you have your team has brought to my attention more issues with executed leases that you inherited of and uh, they were just things that I didn't know that I could or could not do and I know that the industry as a whole doesn't look at leases, at lease properties as, I mean, it's kind of, unfortunately, I mean, it's the least amount of commission and nobody really wants to do them. And, you know, so they don't, they're not really highly, highly desired portion of the business. Right. And so with that comes also an, an educated viewpoint too. I mean, you've been through property management classes and certifications and all of those things, right? You understand tenant landlord tenant law. And so I will say that it is extremely important. I know while every realtor can do a lease listing, everybody can, 
Yeah, he's, I everybody mean, can. It's pretty easy. It's to, pretty easy. Pretty easy. It is extremely important to landlords or the property owner to have somebody that is competent in executing leases. And I love the standardization. So all the tenants have the same, you know, people understand what the rules are. And so I think that's really at your, a very strong, strong selling point for your property management company. Fine. Have someone do the marketing of the property. Anybody can take photos, put it on MLS and show it. But the execution of the lease is actually more important than people realize. I mean, it's probably more important than the marketing of the property. I mean, you can stick a for rent sign in the yard and you're going to get 20 calls. You know, getting the property leased is easy. It's it's what's after that, you know, that that really is where we come into play. And, you know, I've been doing it for a very long time. I built my business with rentals. You know, a lot of people get into real estate and they immediately go into trying to sell, you know, $500,000 homes, million dollar homes. And I really sharpened my teeth on rentals. And, you know, I did rentals in California back then. Um, and it just became like when I got into the business, I was young too. So uh, a lot of my friends at that time, they weren't, they weren't able to buy houses they were renting. So, you know, I became very familiar with the leases and what was uh, standard in them and what to expect and just made myself as knowledgeable as possible on the ins and outs so that later when I started the property management business, like I had the real world experience of being on the grind side of things too, not just, you know, sitting in the air conditioning, ordering uh, repair men out, you know, like um, I really, I really know the contracts. You do. You brought, you you pointed out a lot of things that were, issues like Tamara you can't do this because of how this was filled out and I'm like yeah and it uh-uh. and, and people don't <laughs> okay. realize how one single checkbox or one little date like filled incorrectly can completely tie the hands of the the investor or the agent or the property management company I mean and lawsuits can arise very easily with with some of those things uh if we try to go against you know what the lease says which is improperly filled out um it really ties people's hands and it can end up costing someone a lot of money so and i think that's important to note and look guys i've been to small claims court it ain't fun okay and it's really hard to get your money it's really hard to get a tenant out it's really hard to make any sort of an adjustment once somebody is living in that house yeah the second they receive those keys and they move in like it's the only way to get them out is through an eviction you Mm -hmm. know if they don't willingly leave and you know yeah, there's courts for everything. Like you can take anyone to court for anything, but getting paid on the damage that was caused is pretty impossible. Um, I mean, yeah, you can attach things to their credit and get some public notices out there, but getting money back is hard. So I just heard, and you don't know, you have someone you don't know living in one of your biggest investments. Yeah. And so I was talking with another client yesterday and they said that they have a property that they're, the investor is going to sell the property. So they're getting it ready to list. And it was a tenant eviction situation. They walked in, they had taken all of their fresh food and spread it all over the house, turned off the AC, (laughs) walked out the door. Okay. Okay, They literally had to put on like suits and you know, like it stunk. It was, it smelled like death. Right. And so Look, that causes, I mean, that's, that's a funny one, but tenants don't care. Okay. It's not their house. And so when you're going through the eviction process, this is a very aggressive situation and you don't know what they're going to do. 
Yeah, uh, there's and it's a lot thousands of and thousands and thousands of dollars of yeah. damage and mm. things like that. And you don't get that money back. You I do mean, not. Yeah, you could take them to court for it, but getting the, you can get a judgment against them, but getting paid is is a whole different thing. Um, unless you know like someone in the mob, like you're probably not going to get paid. Well, and I've told you several times. You know, I get fired up about something. I call you, and I'm like, and you tell him this, and you tell him I said that, and you know, I know what your answer is. You know, it's you. You just put a little cool whip in that situation, smooth yeah. it right out. <laughs> yeah, I make it. I make it nice, and you know, <laughs> I try to stay within the law when I'm talking to the people because they can very easily turn things around legally on us too. Yeah. Um, and they have when when uh, we've never been sued, but if a tenant were to sue us for any reason. Uh, and one, they can collect money. You know, there are organizations within the state of Texas that we pay into, you know, like the Recovery Trust Fund, and, like, they can access that money right away if they were to sue us and win. So it's it's a lot easier for them to get money out of us than it is for them. So we have to be the, the upper hand and make sure we're doing everything the right way because, yeah. because they'll win. Oh, I just appreciate, I, you know, for me, it's a big asset to have a middleman just because it is harder to detach as a property owner, right? This is a lot of money we're talking about as far as investment is concerned. And so to have something that's a little bit more neutral come in in the middle has been really helpful to me too. And besides the fact that it's just too much to heavy lift on your own, you know? You're more involved <clears throat> too than I think a lot of our clients. Um, is that good or bad? Um <laughs> It, I mean, it, it varies. Like, we have some people that are involved that are very difficult to work with. And then we have others that um, are not involved at all. And, you know, it can be difficult, too, because we try to get a hold of them for something that we really need. And they're trying to be totally hands-off. And, again, like, going back to the contracts, like, there are instances where we need to do a repair. And if it exceeds a certain amount, we have to get in contact with someone and then we got the tenant on our back, you know, yeah. asking us what's going on. And, you know, we have to keep making the excuse of we can't get a hold of the landlord right now. And, I mean, some landlords do have a lot of money and they travel a lot. And, like, we had one guy and the, he would just disappear, like, for weeks or months at a time. And we needed to get a hold of him. It was impossible. And you couldn't get a hold of his assistant. They would just be like, he, he left. He turns his phone off and he just goes, like. What a nice life that sounds like. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, to just be able to go off completely off the grid. He had a he had a he had a, a B in front of. Yeah, the, the yeah. Of there's it. a B. Okay, got yeah, it. Yeah, there's, there's a B. Not an um, M. But, but I think even in the, if you had M's, like I'm pretty sure you can just get away wow. and disappear. I mean, if you have a lovely. business, if you have a business running well, then you can disappear yeah. and know that things are taken care of for a couple weeks. So anyway, kind of circling anyway, back. Okay, yeah. so. We talked about the the listing side of it, of yep. what's included in property management. We've kind of gone, you know, we've tapped into what you do from the actual, like once the house has been leased. Why don't you kind of bullet out some... What we handle? Yeah. Yeah, so once the property's leased, uh, the tenant moves in. Typically, they're going to move in with whatever the keys are that were used in the lockbox because we'll just give them access with their... Uh, state law requires us to rekey the property within seven days of the tenant moving in. So, um, tenant will move in with whatever keys were accessible at that time. Usually within a day or so, we'll have the locksmith out there. They'll rekey the entire house. Um, so we'll handle setting that up, meeting them out there, getting the keys, logging the keys, doing all that. Um, once the, uh, once the house is rekeyed. Oh, so we'll also make, get the house make ready. There's obviously Texas property code does regulate what, what things properties, rental properties do have to have. 
Uh, they have to have specific locks, smoke detectors in certain locations, windows have to open and close and lock and do that kind of stuff. So we'll, we do an inventory of the property to make sure all that stuff is there. Um, we'll get, we have handyman that will go in and take care of that stuff um, to make sure it's completely legal because that's one thing that I think a lot of people don't realize is they'll, your properties all had it, you know, cause you use the same company that we use to rekey the properties and they do uh, the Texas property code inspection to make sure everything's good. But a lot of landlords, they just rent the property and they don't, they have no idea what's required by the law. And all it takes is one tenant, you know, to, to sue them for not having a certain lock on or smoke detector in the property. And, you know, you got casualty loss and uh, it can get very expensive in, in those cases. So we make sure that's done. Um, every month we collect the rent, obviously. We log it um, in systems that some people check and some people do not check. Well, some people had a hard time figuring out how to access <laughs> the system. So some people finally figured that out because they took the time to do it. And now we know yep. that person knows how to. So, um, we, yes, we do everything online. Um, so the landlords have full access to it. Uh, so they can log in, look at the ledgers, look at stuff like that. We'll transfer rent out uh, the beginning of the month around like the 5th, the 7th, depending mm -hmm. on uh, when everything clears out. Um, we will handle any repair requests that come in. Uh, that's probably the biggest thing, repair requests coming in. That is in. so lovely. Yeah. <laughs> it's uh, so lovely. And the thing is, like, being detached from the property, like, being the owner detached from the property can make it a lot easier to not have to do a lot of repairs because a lot of owners will just give in to the tenant to stop the calls, right? Like if tenants calls about something petty uh, that doesn't even need really repair or can be troubleshot over the phone. Uh, landlords are just going to send someone out because they don't want to deal with the calls coming in over and over because you live a normal life doing other things and running your business. This is our business. So uh, we don't mind those calls coming in because we can, uh, de-escalate them if they're upset because sometimes people call in upset um, even if it's not our fault like if the house is hot air conditioning is not working or something they're upset and they just want to blame people um, so if they were to call you the owner you're probably going to give in and you know give concessions and stuff like that well we we de-escalate it and we find uh, the best way to get the repairs done for the least amount possible uh, we do all the troubleshooting over the phone. Since we have the time to spend with people on the phone, um, we'll talk them through, you know, if it's air conditioning, like check this breaker, then check this breaker, then check this, check this. Go through the entire uh, troubleshooting before we send someone out. So that can help save the owner money too. Um, see, what else do we do? Uh, you know, we file all the tax stuff at the end of the year. Uh, we'll send out the notice, uh, the 1099 uh, to the owners. Uh, file the 1098s and all that kind of stuff um, with the IRS. Um, what I think else the do biggest, do? yeah, I think the biggest things are handling repairs. <clears throat> I remember uh, the straw that broke the camel's back for me when I called you is I'm it's at four o'clock in the afternoon. I'm in Frisco, pulling up to a meeting with an agent. My phone's blowing up. Irving Duplex, the water heater busted. Can't turn off the shutoff valve. Water's going everywhere. Was this when when we had it? Uh-uh. Okay. This is before you. This is why when I why decided. You yeah. It. Okay. No, it was what made me decide that I was done being a landlord and a property manager. <laughs> you know, because she's, you know, she can't shut it off. Water's just gushing, gushing. everywhere. Yeah. yeah. 
And the next tenant, you know, she was super fun. I'm glad she's gone. Um, she was calling me to complain about water coming in on her side of the unit. And I'm like sitting there going, I don't have an emergency plumber in Irving. I don't, I'm, I'm late for a meeting. I got to call them and stop what I'm doing. It was three and a half hours before an emergency plumber got out there. Yep. Water's just going the whole time. The yep. shutoff valve was broken. Oh, nice. Yeah. So, and then I had <laughs> I had just remodeled the units. So now we've got some cosmetic issues to deal with. And I'm like, I just don't have, I just can't do this. I just can't do this. Yeah. So we have, so, that, that. that's another thing is we send a lot of business to certain people, you know, so whether it's an AC tech or, uh, or, you know, remediation, like flood remediation or water damage people or um, handymen, just all that, you know because we send so much volume to these people when we need something quickly, they'll get out there where an individual owner that is trying to manage their property, you know, if they call, you know, the AC company that they found in the on, online, they're probably not going to get out quickly. Cause they're like, you're just a one-off person. We'll get to you in a couple days, you know, where we call them and they see how much business we send them. They'll get out there pretty quick. And I, maybe I not, think that's a huge deal. I yeah. mean, so the biggest things for me are the handling the repairs um, making sure the properties are up to property code, because I think that's a really big deal too. Yep. You can go on to the Trek website, Texas Real Estate Commission website, yep. and look up the Texas property co- landlord property code and find out what your, the do's and don'ts are. But, you know, it's not a short little one yeah, paragraph uh, read. <laughs> it's, so it, Texas property code chapter 92 is the, is the section that you need, uh, just chapter 92 alone, I think is like 88 pages. Yeah, that's, that's enough with, of a reason right there. That, that's that's like it's eight, 88 pages with no margins and, <laughs> and nine point font. Yeah. You know, and uh, that's what we shrunk it down to in order to print it off and get it into like a proper binder. Um, I would recommend anyone, if they're going to try to even manage the property themselves, to just download that as a PDF onto your computer, you know, control find or command find on, your comp- on the PDF. And just search lock, um, you know, to try to, if, yeah. if you have questions about stuff, you can, you can, the problem is if people try to try searching on Google, the laws change all the time, right? Yep. And websites don't get updated and you're still responsible to know as the landlord. Yeah. And if, if a law change, like we got all new contracts on July 8th. So within the last two weeks, we have new contracts that we have to use. If you right now were to go online and just Google residential lease or whatever, this, the pages that are archived that still show up at the top of Google are from 2020. Those contracts are no longer like valid. So uh, the information that you find online, if you don't know where to search, can also be yeah. a huge disservice to you. So, I mean, yeah, we do, we, we do charge money, you know, to manage the property. Um, but we ultimately will end up saving you a lot of money. It is worth every And, and a lot of time. Yeah. Worth every penny. Let's talk about animals. Yep. I don't like them in my uh, houses. Yeah. <laughs> we, got, we, we do have two fish moving into one of your properties. Okay, I'm okay with the fish. Yeah, but not like, a, not like a big fish tank or anything, just like two little beta fish. Just beta fish. I'm good yeah. with fish. That's fine. But, you know, <clears throat> you know I got caught in a trap with an emergency, emotional support animal. This was before you, too. That I didn't was, know about this one. That was Victoria. The uh, tenant that you took over. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. And in Irving. Yeah, yeah. And so basically what happened, she applied and she didn't say anything about the animal. And she looks really good on paper. And so I accepted that's when I was I was running this through the the lease listing agent who did the lease, you know, who listed it for me. 
And so she looked really great on paper. And then as soon as I said yes, she goes, oh, by the way, I have an emotional support animal. I'm like, because I know the rules. I can't say no to an emotional support animal. She waited until I said yes. And she admitted she did it on purpose because she wasn't getting a property. Yeah. (laughs) And then I I got stuck. So she was coached, you know. Oh, she was coached by her agent. Yeah. And and that's the other thing, too. You got people out that are trying to manage their own properties and, you know, kind of handle the rental piece themselves. But they don't understand that those the tenant on the other side is probably being coached by someone that might or might not know more than you. Um, and you really have to watch the way you answer certain things because they can't, you know, saying no to someone, they're like, oh, by the way, I have this, a German shepherd. It's a service animal. And you're like, I don't know. We're not allowing any pets. Well, you just violated federal law, Yep. you know, and that's, that's court. Yeah. And that's a guaranteed win. I mean, their, their attorneys are covered by the federal government pretty much, you know, so uh, they will win and it can cost you a lot of money. So yeah, the animal thing. Um, Okay. The animal thing. Yeah. So the that's another question that a lot of people ask that's probably the number one question from tenants um when you know they're calling about a property is do you allow pets so up until two weeks ago um everything was classified as either pets or animals so all of the contract stuff asked if they had any pets and if they put yes then we classified them as a true pet a, a dog or cat that would just walk around your house you feed you play with it's literally just there for for fun you know um, everything else is considered an animal. So if they had an animal, whether it's an emotional support animal or a service animal, they didn't have to check yes on any of that. So they could move into the property and not disclose any of that. Um, and that's where ten or uh, pro- owners uh, would really get upset because they would go to check on the property and they would quickly realize, hey, there's two dogs in this house. Um, I want to evict them. It's like, well, you can't because, you know, they've, now shown us that those are emotional support animals or service animals. Um, so they, we can't do anything about it. The new, the new lease does say that they have to notify us uh, within a certain period of time. And uh, there's some other things that are, that do help the landlords, but that did not exist really before that, before a couple weeks ago. So, but there is a difference between emotional support animals, service animals. So service animals are, uh, they're task oriented animal. So, um, and there's really two types of emotional support animals too. One is a, I don't know what they call it, a psycho, psycho something. It's basically uh, for, they help people with some sort of mental disorder where they can detect if there's going to be a seizure and oh, yeah. you know, stuff mm-hmm. like that. Um, so they're not necessarily trained on a, not like a blind service right. dog where their their only thing is to guide people. Um, they might have additional roles, so they might not be considered a service animal, but they are considered emotional support. And so some of those emotional support animals, you know, have really gotten a bad rap over the years um, because it has been an abuse system because it is so easy for, for tenants to kind of slide those through. It has been so easy for tenants to slide those through. Um, but for animal, for uh, service animals, it's really dogs or miniature horses are what's allowed. Uh, and then emotional support animals can really be anything. Rabbits. Yeah, mine was a five-pound chihuahua. I said, yeah. you're not. That dog is not emotionally supporting you. It's you're yeah, supporting and, and a you, five-pound chihuahua. And you do have to have a prescription for them. Um, yeah, she produced some sort of a doctor's note. I yeah. ultimately ended up saying, look, I, you deceived me on purpose. Yeah. There's nothing I can do about it. 
I have to lease you the property. I have to give you the property because I've already committed to you. And then I turned it around to her and I said, is this really how you would like to start our relationship? Because I guarantee you will be here for one year and then you will leave because I will make sure of it. And then it's not going to be the most pleasant experience for either one of us because you started the relationship with deceit. Yeah. We we see that pretty often. (laughs) Um, Yeah. I mean, we have to tell our clients on the other side too, that are leasing properties like, because they ask, do I need to disclose this? I mean, no, you don't, but it's not really the way you want to start off the relationship with the landlord because, you know, in a year, it might be very difficult to find a rental. And when they ask, when that next landlord asks that your previous landlord or current landlord uh, for their recommendation, and they say, well, yeah, they have an emotional support animal they lied about, and blah, blah, blah. They can say whatever they want at that point. Uh, and it can make it very difficult on you. So honesty is the best policy. Yep. Um, and I just, and for, you know, I have no issue, of course, with service dogs. I mean, they, people need their service dogs, obviously. Right. You know, that's a... But the emotional support animal thing has been really abused. So it has been. Um, I think there's a lot. There's there's some things in place now that make it easier to verify if they're legitimate. You can't bring uh, your not. peacock on the plane. Yeah, that was was that Southwest or something. Yeah, it was a real thing. Yeah. <laughs> Let's it, talk. Um, yeah. Why don't you bullet out real quick? Because I want to move on to some other topics before sure. we have to wrap up. Discuss the documents that are required for a lease really quickly. Uh, just an executed lease. That's it. Some I have some about flood disclosure. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so most people, their answer would definitely just be, oh, all you need is an executed lease. The flood disclosure went into effect January 1st of this year. I say January 1st. I could be wrong on that. It could be, it could have been like December 26th or something, Fine. whatever. Uh, January 1st um, is when the flood disclosure was required. It's a one page document. I don't know. You just completed one about five minutes ago. Is it one page, two page? It might be, might I be too. Not read it. Okay, I've signed um, how many of these with you? I don't read so them anymore. So it's either one page or two page, and it basically asks the landlord if they are aware of the property. Oh yeah, that's right. Yeah, and if has there been a flood in the last five years or something? Yep. So yeah. it asks if the property is in a hundred-year floodplain, yes or no, and if the property has ever in the last five years flooded because of some external flooding. Yeah. Uh, that document has to be signed by the landlord first, and then it goes to the tenant to be signed along with the lease. So that is required. Um, we always recommend getting the information about brokerage services signed by the tenant. Uh, so we go above and beyond, right? So like basically bare requirements is executed lease sure. and, and flood. Uh, most people don't even get the flood done. But yeah, I've never seen the flood before you. Yeah. It's new and we, we get a lot of pushback um, from other people. Well, like if we're representing the tenant and we're applying for a property and we ask them, hey, we need the flood disclosure. And they're like, we don't know what that is. It's pretty bad. Um, so those are the, really the only things required. If there's animals involved, then now there's the pet agreement um, that gets added. We have a lease addendum. We have a yard care addendum. There's pool addendums. Uh, we have them sign a document called Completely Understand What You're Signing. And it basically outlines everything that they have, like the, their rights, that they have the rights to, um, so they can know what their rights are and what they're signing. Um, we have wire fraud addendums. I mean, there's all sorts of stuff that we include. I think our lease, a, a typical lease, I think is like 16 pages. Okay. Um, I think ours comes out to like 32 or so when it's when it's all done. Um, and 
we want people to read it, but I think most people don't because it's so long. Yeah, but they've signed it, so yeah. now it's on them. Yeah. So and I mean, we we in our email to them, we tell them, you know, if you have any questions, please, even if they have an agent, because yeah. the problem is most of those agents have no idea either, or their agents aren't even reading it. They're just forwarding it to their client to sign. They're dropping in initials uh, through DocuSign. So we always directly to the tenant, please call us if you have any questions. We will, we're happy to walk them through the lease. We're going to walk them through the lease after they sign it because we're going to let them know, hey, these are your liability or these are your responsibilities um, by renting this property because we don't want them to neglect the property and be like, well, I didn't know. Well, that doesn't make it any better for us because we're still having to fix those problems. Right. I think that was one of the questions too is, um, what was the other what was the question? Kind of the difference between, you know, renting a house versus an apartment. Well, I definitely have. Yeah. I mean, um, benefits of renting uh, from a property management company versus an individual. What is what is required? And then these are repairs. So that's that's as it relates to an apartment versus a home. But yeah. Benefit, so benefits to uh, renting from property management company versus an individual owner. There's nothing wrong with renting from individual owners because some of them are really good. Like one of my friends, I would love to manage his properties. I think he has like 12 or 13 properties now, um, but he's a retired, he's a retired engineer. He can fix anything on a house himself, you know? So he's basically his own handyman and he prides himself on tenants not moving out. Cause ultimately like that's your goal is for tenants not to move you out. You do not want tenants moving out. It's Tur- very turnover expensive. Turnover is expensive. And um, let's talk about why really quickly. Yeah. Turnover is very expensive because once a tenant moves out, now you've got repairs you've got to deal with that were unresolved while the tenant was living there. You've got yep. a loss of rent. Yep. You've also got to pay the lease listing, the yep. lease listing agent. Yep. Okay. Which can be anywhere from, 75% to one month's rent or more. Correct. Yeah. You got to get new photos. Two, well, I don't want to say that repairs could be less expensive because that's not true, but you don't know when it's going to be rented again. So loss of rent could be depending on the time of year and the market and the demand. I mean, it could be a couple of days and it could be a few months. Yeah. So, I mean like a, a cheap listing right now is probably 2000 to 2,500 a month. So let's say 2000 a month for like a very basic rental. Uh, you know, tenant moves out and you probably are going to do at least $2,000 worth of repairs. If there's any carpet or anything that needs to be replaced, you're probably looking at, you know, three or $4,000. Uh, you're going to have to be paying $2,000 to have it re-rented. You know, you're paying mm-hmm. uh, someone to rent the property for you. Um, loss of rent, let's say it's off the market for, you know, two weeks uh, or, you know, cause it has to be made ready and then put on the market and then go through the process of a tenant moving in. And then, yeah. And month. they execute the lease. Well, it may not be till the first of the month. Yeah. So, so you're looking at another $2,000 loss there. I mean, you could, you can get into six to $10,000 in turnover fees right away. And so, then there was a situation that happened to me in Rowlett where the sprinkler system got screwed up and I got a $670 water bill from the city of Rowlett because it was watering twice a day using six to 700 gallons of water and nobody knew it because nobody was living there. Yeah, but the good thing is the sod. The grass uh, is so beautiful right it, now. Yeah. I've never seen grass grow underneath that tree. <laughs> <laughs> There's literally grass growing in a spot that has never grown grass. I've mean, owned could, that property since 2011. We could make it a requirement now for the tenant to <laughs> water the yard every day. Yeah. Uh, until Luckily, they don't have any water restrictions. Yeah, but, you know, it's very, very expensive to turn over a property, you yeah. know, so you want to make sure that you've got you're vetting your tenants to, to want to stay. Right. Yeah. And so I have my favorite criteria that I like to go by, but 
you know, um, longevity in their job, longevity in the place that they lived before, but even qualifications for buying a home. Like, did the, can they even buy one? Because so to me that people indicates... people that can't buy one? I don't mean to be... <laughs> I'm not trying to be mean. I mean, I, I want people that are going to stay. Yeah. And so, you know, unfortunately, there's a segment of the market, and my properties fall into a lot of that segment of the market where it's more challenging for them to be able to afford to buy a home. Yeah. And it's not... It's just business. It's not personal and... And it's because I f- we work really hard to find qu- good quality tenants that I want them to stay in the home because they take care of it. They do. I mean, they. I think there's a stigma that goes with renters that we're trying to undo as well is that they don't maintain things because there are tenants that don't, right? Um, like if there's, you could have a single guy living in a house with two dogs that travels. Sounds familiar. A, yeah, that, that <laughs> travels a lot um, and works long hours and the dogs can tear things up and, you know, he's so tired when he gets home from being outside, working outside all day to where he just doesn't want to do anything and the house gets neglected. There are situations like that. But I would say in most situations, people take care of the property as if it's theirs. And it's very rare that we have damaged property um, where it was just pure neglect. Um, people, I mean, you're going to have wear and tear on a property. And that's sure. another thing that landlords need to understand. Like, there's going to be normal wear and tear that happens with people living in a property. But I think the, the idea that, that tenants are bad people is, is out there and we need to undo that because I mean, we saw just in the past 12 months, uh, people that were overqualified to buy property, right? That they had a hundred thousand dollars to put down over their deposit or over their down payments. And, you know, they're trying to buy $500,000 homes and they can't because investors are coming in and buying the property and they're forced back into the rental market. And, you know, we, we hear it all the time from people of, oh, they're building another rental community or, you know, we don't want any renters in our neighborhood. It's like these renters might have twice the amount of money you have. They Very might, different market for that. Yes. Yeah. And I mean, I'd, I'd probably say 50% of the properties we manage, um, we have tenants pay the entire year up front. You know, it's not uncommon for them to pay an entire year up front. So the the stigma that, that all renters are bad, I think we just really need to, to get that out of people's heads. No, I agree. I've had more success stories and I've had bad experiences. When I first decided to do this, you know, I was told all the horror stories about tenants. And yeah. I know it can still happen. I mean, I've had a couple of situations, but... And for the most part, we've done a really good job of finding quality people to stay in my in my in my investment properties. And when it comes time for their lease renewal, I'm like, I don't want them to leave. <laughs> Figure out how to get them to stay. You yeah, know, that's one reason we really like to handle the marketing piece of finding the tenant. You know, versus Joe Schmo agent. You know, wanting to make his commission and list the property because his only incentive is or his objective is to get the property leased Correct. as soon as possible so he can get paid. Um, ours is to try to find the absolute best tenant that's going to stay there for five years and be okay with some rent increases year over year that's going to, we think, is going to maintain the property. Like, we have completely different goals as the property manager than the guy just marketing the property for rent. So, um, I think that's a great place to stop. I know we have a lot of question, a lot of extra questions yep. that we weren't able to get to, but I think it's really important. That was in a really important place to stop because 
property managers do have an invested interest, just like the property owner, to find tenants that are going to pay their rent on time, stay in the property, take care of the property, right? We have the same goal. So um, I think that's a perfect reason to... um, to consider using a property manager and then all the other things that we talked about are things that you alleviate from the property owner. And it saves a lot of time and allows the property owner to go and do other things besides, I mean, if you're a retired engineer sitting around your house and you know, you're fine with doing stuff like that. Great. But you know, I, most people would probably prefer to go off the grid for two weeks and not worry about their properties, you know, and you can't do that if you're trying, if you're self-managing it because if a repair comes up and is needed, you better be available. Otherwise they're going to go to the courts to take care of it. Yeah. And you're younger than me. So you'll be doing this a heck of a lot longer than I will. And I won't. (laughs) So you'll be in place always. (laughs) That's the other thing. Go find a property manager younger than you. Okay. (laughs) There are some property managers. I mean, it's it's for anyone in real estate that's looking to create additional cash flow. um, You know, if, if property management, is is interesting to you. It is a way to retire, you know, um, because you can build a business that you can eventually step away from and the properties just continue to, you know, cash flow for you. Yeah. Well, thank you, Chris. I appreciate you being on the show with me today. We have a lot of conversations about a lot of things, a lot. And so it's never, you know, it's always interesting. I call you Captain Random from time to time because if any of you are his friend on social media, you'll see that you're going to learn a lot from Chris Oleg's Facebook page. So um, anyway, thank you again for being my guest. Always enjoy seeing you and spending time with you. Thank you for joining us on another episode. Again, I'm your host, Tamara Gady. If you love my content, you're really going to like my escrow team. So please give us an opportunity to have a conversation with you about your title needs and make it a great day. Thank you.